Welcome to Gil Reads Comics, where every week we recap and review your favorite comics. Today, we're talking about Amazing Spider-Man issue 12. This issue was released on Wednesday, December 19th. It was written by Nick Spencer with art by Ryan Otley. There is an epidemic affecting children everywhere. Comic books. Comics everywhere. Avengers, Batman, Wonder Woman, and they're in movies now, too. In the real world, there is no good and evil. Enough! I'm reading comics, and no one's gonna stop me. Adam, today's gonna be a quick episode. I'm in a little bit of a rush, so we're gonna have to move through this one fast. So let's do a quick lightning round of uh, comic book news. And because we're in such a rush, I didn't have time to find comic news, so I got something else. Let's get quick reaction. They're rebooting Pirates of the Caribbean without Johnny Depp. Go. Boo. Yeah, but the series got kind of stale over time, don't you think? I think it's time for a fresh take. I agree that it got stale over time. I just don't don't know that... Wasn't uh, Jack Sparrow kind of the best part? Yeah, but then you get, over time, I think we all got kind of bored of Johnny Depp's shtick. All right, that's our take on that. But just one quick thing. <laughs> uh, this is comic book related because the writing team from the movie Deadpool are tackling the reboot. So, hey, oh. it could end up being good because we like Deadpool here at Gil Reads Comics. Yeah, that actually sounds like a good With idea. With that, let's get into it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the flash of podcasting over here. Quicksilver, because we're talking Marvel today. Let's get into Amazing Spider-Man issue 12. This is part two of the Lifetime Achievement story arc. Adam, where did we leave Spider-Man in the last issue? Just before the event uh, that Kingpin was hosting where Spider-Man was going to have to present J. Jonah Jameson with an award, a Lifetime Achievement Award, they got uh, attacked by three goons uh, that seemed to somehow be associated with this guy arcade Mm -hmm. and uh they woke up kind of locked up somewhere yeah they're being held captive in some kind of bunker it looks like and when spider-man awoke he found scorpion there with some goons uh and one quick correction uh it wasn't necessarily that spider-man was going to present jonah with the award but Kingpin invited J. Jonah Jameson to come to this Lifetime Achievement event to receive an award, but the stipulation was Spider-Man's got to be there too. Spider-Man mm-hmm. just has to attend, not necessarily present the award. So that's where we pick things up. Uh, so you mentioned Kingpin's throwing that celebration. They haven't been able to start the event yet because J. Jonah Jameson and Spider-Man are nowhere to be seen. Kingpin does not want to start, though. He needs to have Jonah there. And what he says specifically, I'll read directly from the comic here. We will wait. I know, J. Jonah Jameson. There's no way that fool avoids a spotlight like this one, like a moth to a flame. When he arrives, he'll bring Spider-Man. That webbed Cretan won't dare risk his newfound alliance with his greatest enemy. It will be a wonderful photo op, won't it? Jameson, Spider-Man, and me, arms around each other for the whole world to see, including (laughs) all the wall crawlers' vigilante friends. Then the assistant asks if they can at least 
start to serve the chicken. And what does Kingpin tell him in response to that? No, they will make do with the salad bar. When Kingpin goes vegan, the whole city goes vegan. Are you still vegan, Adam? <laughs> I, I did that for like a month, half a year ago. And you were just like the Kingpin. When you turned vegan, we would try to sit down and have dinner. And then you'd put, put that meat away. You're all eating tofu tonight. <laughs> so this uh, essentially confirms what we were saying the last issue. We were trying to figure out why all of Spider-Man's friends have been turning on him. And it seems like a lot of that is because of his association with Kingpin. And it seems that Kingpin wants that. He is fanning these flames, trying to get the public to connect him and Spider-Man as allies. And now, Adam, do you think that Kingpin's doing this purely as a personal attack? He wants to crush Spider-Man. Or is there more to this scheme? I think there's more to it because we've already demonstrated that Kingpin is somehow connected or owes allegiance to that masked, bandaged, weird uh, vermin dude that you call you right. call him? Vermin guy. Yeah, and that vermin guy has some some attachment to Spider-Man or wants to somehow be his undoing. It's unclear. But so we know that Kingpin is doing that guy's bidding. That's a good point. I totally, I actually forgot about that totally because I was remembering back in issue one of this run, Kingpin was ranting about how he wants to crush the spider. So bringing a bandaged vermin guy into the mix, um, like you just brought up, my thought is that it's part of the bandaged guy's bidding. Kingpin's following orders and maybe as a side benefit, Kingpin gets to take down Spider-Man. And so he's just enjoying that personal benefit of it, but it's not the primary objective. So Spider-Man and Jonah, they're in that bunker being held captive, cornered by Scorpion and his goons. They're arguing over whose fault it is that they got into this mess. Obviously, Jonah blames Spider-Man for it. But then all of a sudden, Scorpion and the rest of the villains, the henchmen, are gone, leaving Spider-Man and Jonah alone in a dark room. When suddenly a voice begins to speak and essentially narrate the story of Jonah's life as images of it are projected in front of Spider-Man and Jonah. You see an image of Jonah as a kid being abandoned by his biological father as he's left to be raised by his aunt and uncle. We see him grow up in a broken home with an abusive father until he finds a calling as a journalist beginning as a military correspondent, and eventually joining the Daily Bugle, as we've seen him. And I think at this point, we start to realize that maybe the title of this arc, Lifetime Achievement, has a little bit of a double meaning. There's the Lifetime Achievement Award that Kingpin's giving Jonah, and there's whatever's happening here, which we don't quite understand yet. So as Jonah's life plays out in front of him, Jonah is, is loving it. He's, he's saying, this is great. I love seeing how successful I was and how I overcame these hardships. Um, Spider-Man's not enjoying it quite as much. And um, I'll say at this point, you know, you and I sort of complained a little bit last issue that we didn't love how Jonah sort of felt like a cartoon character. And I thought we saw a little bit more of that here because the joke is that he's narcissistic, right? So he loves seeing his life story told like this. 
but it plays as absurd in this scene because the truth is they're kidnapped. They're in danger, but he's so narcissistic, he doesn't care. He still enjoys watching whatever's happening here, watching his life story be told. So at first, that, that kind of threw me a little bit, and I thought, great, more of the Jonah cartoon shtick. How about you? Did it hit you the same way? Well, at first it seemed very cartoony, but as the story went on, I started to feel bad for him. Then then it again started to feel cartoony because of how hard his life was. <laughs> like, he meets one person, then they die, then he meets another person, and that person dies. It is funny, this uh, Nick Spencer, the writer of this uh, this whole run of Spider-Man, he's been doing that a lot lately, where he'll flash back to sort of encapsulate, oh, this is the background of this villain. Or, oh, you might remember this character from from blah, blah, blah. And so he takes a lot of, you know, years of comic book history, and when you compress it into just a couple panels, it does play out as ridiculous. right? Like, the the, the uh, events you're referring to, the various people that Jonah got close to who then died, in reality, that probably played out over years, you know, across various mm-hmm. uh, comics. When you encapsulate it in a few sentences, though, it comes off as pretty absurd. Uh, so it looks like Jonah and Spider-Man are being watched during all this. We're, we see a control room, which we saw in the previous issue. And in there is a mysterious figure sitting in front of basically a terminal with a bunch of screens. Looks kind of like a bat cave. On the big screen, this mysterious figure is watching Jonah and Spider-Man. And then on another screen, he's essentially FaceTiming. You know, having a video chat with a villain we've seen before named Arcade. Adam, why don't you give us uh, a little bit of a background? Who is this Arcade fellow? So we saw a little bit of him in the last issue, and he seemed like this salesman-y kind of guy who markets contraptions to supervillains. And that's exactly, that's basically what he is. Uh, he's this hitman and evil genius who first appeared in the comics in 1978. Hmm. Um, he has a theme park called Murder World where he gets to test out and create all these ridiculous contraptions of death. Oh. Uh, he's a very over-the-top uh, person. He's egotistical. He's an illusionist and a manipulator. Um, he... More recently, in a, a run called Avengers Arena, made a Hunger Games-style uh, place where all these uh, heroes were trapped. Wow. Uh, this was around the time that the Hunger Games movies were more popular. <laughs> um, he's killed many people, including children, and he's cool. uh, basically psychotic. Oh, wow. Okay. So this mysterious figure associating with him is probably also not a great guy. Yeah. You probably read all that, and you thought to yourself... Oh, this murder world. This sounds interesting. Let me see if this... You probably immediately looked up if that's a real place. Like, I want to go to there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was checking for uh, tickets. So, mysterious figure. He's talking to Arcade. And to give us an idea of what's going on with Jonah and Spider-Man, Adam, in your best evil salesman voice, can you read to us Arcade's dialogue uh, in response to... so? I said before, Spider-Man is not really enjoying watching Jonah's life story play out like this. He calls it a nightmare. And then the mysterious figure says to himself aloud, And this nightmare is just beginning. 
and then Arcade responds to him. You can say that again. LMDs, holographic projections, mind-altering gas compounds to induce shared hallucinations. This whole setup is a doozy. So, Jonah and Spider-Man are clearly in some trap laid by this mysterious figure with the help of Arcade. Those projections, the life story playing out, it's all part of their plan. The mysterious figure says he needs to put on his suit, and then he walks off. Back with Spider-Man and Jonah. This is where, you know, I complained earlier about Jonah maybe being a little bit too cartoony, a little too silly. This is where I realized that Nick Spencer was trying to lull me into a false sense of security. Because right after that, in these in this sequence here, we get slapped in the face with some stark reality. So Jonah, you know, he was excited about his life story playing out. Spider-Man reminds him, you know, this is probably a death trap. And Adam, what does Jonah say in response to that? You don't know that. It could be a reward trap, an encouragement trap. Whoever did this obviously has great taste. Just look at... And then you hear a baby crying. <laughs> so I wanted you to read that just because I thought that was a funny line. The idea yeah. of uh, it's a death trap. He says, no, it's, uh, it's an encouragement trap, a reward trap. <laughs> so we find ourselves now seeing Jonah's baby years ago. They're in Jonah's old house in uh, some of the happier days of his life. Jonah sees his son, you know, in a uh, in a crib, and then in the background we hear a gunshot. So it starts as a happy memory. Then Jonah runs over and sees his wife dead, shot by a masked gunman. And we should point out here that he doesn't just see her dead. He picks her up and he looks at her body. So it's no longer just projections and images they're seeing. They're actually able to interact with the world around them. And that could either be hallucinations. Or it could be LMDs, you know, life model decoys, robots, basically. After his wife's death, Jonah has to raise his son alone. He throws himself into his work, moves up in the ranks at the Daily Bugle until he eventually becomes editor-in-chief. He watches as his son, John, becomes an astronaut, goes to space. Did you know his son was an astronaut? I remembered that from... Uh the Sam Raimi Spider-Man. Oh, Spider-Man 3, that's right. Your favorite Spider-Man. <laughs> it's up there. Jonah then, and this is where things get awkward for uh, Spider-Man and Jonah, we then see the part of Jonah's life where he dedicated himself to destroying Spider-Man, who he <laughs> believed to be a fraud and a menace, of course. And what we see here is that Jonah not only published hit pieces on Spider-Man and tried to take him down via bad reputation, but he also worked with some bad people, some scientists, to actually produce villains and try and destroy the Spider-Man. It looks like Jonah was involved in genetic experiments to create the Scorpion. He built some robots, the Spider-Slayer robots. And if you remember last issue when we saw Scorpion with all those villains and we saw those weird Robotic-looking things, those were the Spider Slayers, the ones that Jonah helped build. Uh, at one point, um, or moving on from there, we see Jonah meet his second love, Marla, who helped him create another Spider Slayer. And a touching moment here, I thought, where Jonah puts his hand on Marla's cheek 
and he sort of reminisces and says, she didn't like me much at first, hated the cigars. So he's, you know, reminiscing. And this is where I started to feel bad for him. At first, I thought he was sort of a cartoon character. And here's where I thought the comic started to get a little darker, you know, and I, I felt something a little bit. What about you? Yeah, that, that that's when uh, I started to feel he was less of just a ridiculous cartoon and that his narcissism was a bit of a cover for uh, despair. Yeah, just how desperate he is because he's we're, we're learning here how much he's lost. Lost his first wife, then Marla disappears, then his friend Foswell, his best friend, dies in a Spider-Man-related incident. He meets back up with his biological father. He dies just uh, right after he meets back up with him. And then we see Jonah interact with Foswell's wife, you know, his friend who died. And his uh, Foswell's wife, standing at the grave of Jonah's friend, she says to Jonah, Do you remember what you said to us, Jonah? You said, no matter what, that webbed menace will die for what he did. So we realize here, and maybe some astute readers already knew this, but it's good to get a reminder, part of Jonah's uh, crusade against Spider-Man is not just, uh, it's, it's based, it's some of it's personal. It's some of it's almost a revenge for, uh, you know, his friend being killed. Now, the whole time that we're seeing this play out, there's that mysterious voice narrating all of it. And the narration seems to portray Jonah's crusade against Spider-Man as a noble one. So he, the voice starts to turn accusatory pointing out that Jonah is now partnering with Spider-Man. And the voice says, essentially, this cannot be forgiven. And this is where Jonah's story ends, according to the voice. And with that, the hallucinations, the projections are all gone. And we see Jonah and Spider-Man back in the real world, back in the bunker where we left them, surrounded by Scorpion and the other goons. Now, having seen all that play out, Adam, these villains that are with Spider-Man and Jonah, do you recognize these villains? Like from before the comic yesterday, uh, last week? No, from the from this comic. Yeah, it's uh, Scorpion and... But what's so significant about them? They're all the They're... various villains that Jonah was involved in creating. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Scorpion, Spider-Slayer the fly people, they were all in the life story, and, and we saw them appear there. So Spider-Man starts punching bad guys, trying to protect him and Jonah. And as they're fighting, Spider-Man, he, uh, he realizes he knows what's going on here, and he throws out a theory. This is essentially a Christmas carol. Jonah is the mean old guy, and he's being visited by, you know, ghosts of Christmas past. We saw his whole life play out. You know, when I read that, I actually, for a second, thought maybe that is what they're going for. That this is, that this villain is is trying to take on the mantle of, uh, you know, trying to make Jonah live out the story of Scrooge. <laughs> That'd be such a particular goal yeah. for, for a villain. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past some of the villains in, uh, in that have appeared in this comic. Yeah. 
But I don't think that's what's going on. As they're being overwhelmed by all the villains, Spider-Man realizes that the Slayers, the Spider-Slayers, will still listen to their old owner, J. Jonah Jameson. So he helps Jonah get the remote and take control of the robots with them. They're able to defeat the goons, leaving just Spider-Man and Scorpion to battle. And of course, Spider-Man wins the fight. And we think, ah, great, it's over. Until that mysterious voice comes back and says, Congratulations, hope you enjoyed the opening act. Time to have some real fun, though. And then a giant leg crashes through the building, and we see a giant standing over them. Big Man. You know this villain? Is that his actual name? Yeah. Yeah, that's his villain moniker. The Big Man. He kind of, he looks like a gigantic mobster. He does look like a gigantic mobster. Uh, he would he used to be a mob boss, so that's that's uh, accurate. You've actually seen this guy before. You saw him earlier this issue. Foswell. Uh, oh, that was his old friend, Jonah's old friend. Before they became friends, Foswell was big man, a villain, and hmm. then he got arrested and went to jail. And after living out his sentence, Jonah gave him a shot, hired him at the Daily Bugle, and he was reformed. You know, he wasn't a bad guy anymore. Uh, but then he took a bullet for Jonah to save his life and got killed. And then I believe after his death, he was cloned. So I think <laughs> what we're looking at here, <laughs> I think the big man in this case is a clone of Jonah's old friend, Foswell. So this is personal. <laughs> <laughs> Well, did they intentionally make him big, or was that just a side effect of the cloning? That's the one part of his biography I couldn't find. I couldn't figure out is it why he's big. Yeah, I couldn't <laughs> figure. Out. I know that he's Foswell, and I know that he's a clone right now, but I don't know what resulted in him being big. Hey, I said earlier this episode we were in a big rush, so I didn't have time to research all of the villains. I had Adam research Arcade, and I did the best I could with Big Man. <laughs> <laughs> he's big he's a man what more do you need to know those are kind of the key takeaways there yeah I mean but, the comic didn't didn't tell us that much more so yeah I think next issue will probably it seems like in a lot of these issues when a villain shows up they'll give us a quick snapshot history of the villain which always to me is very frustrating because I'll get to a page say who is this guy and then I'll spend 30 minutes researching and then I flip the page, and, and it's a you. narration explaining who the villain is. And I was like, damn it. Should have just flipped the page maybe, first. Maybe next issue we'll find out about Big Man's past and, and the tragedy that helped create him. Exactly. That's what I'm thinking. Well, I don't really need, I don't really need to see it, though. No. <laughs> the, next, the entire next issue will be the Big Man origin story. Yeah. We're taking a break. We'll be back. We're going to take the next seven issues to go through Big Man's origin. And it takes five issues before he becomes Big Man. So you're just seeing a kid <laughs> just live out his life. I always wanted to be a journalist. And I always wanted to be really big. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll workshop that idea. Overall, reactions to the issue, Adam? Uh, they, it was good. They, they added some depth to uh, J. Jonah Jameson. 
it was uh, interesting to. I didn't realize how far he took his anti Spider Man position mm -hmm. because in the last issue he said that he he mostly just maintained that position because it was what got him attention as a as a reporter or journalist. Mm -hmm. But we see he was actively conspiring to take him out, and he was built. He was creating villains and building robots and things like that. So that was a surprise. And then the other thing is whoever this shadowy figure is that, that was working with arcade. Uh, we don't know who that is, but he's, he seems to think that Jonah sort of betrayed their cause, which means it's someone that Jonah probably knows. Oh yeah. Hey, I wonder if it's, could it be, could it be Foswell resurrected from the dead? And Big Man was a clone, so you could have, or, oh, wait a minute. Oh, I just figured it all out. I just pieced it together. The mysterious figure said he needs to put on his suit, and then we see Big Man. That mysterious mm. figure is Big Man. He is Foswell, and he's angry at Jonah because Jonah was supposed to avenge his death, and now he's palling around with Spider-Man. Oh, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. So is Big Man just a suit? And there's actually a, a little man inside there. Or when he says, put on my suit, that's metaphorical. And he just does something that makes himself larger. I'm guessing that big man is the suit. It's it's like a big armor that he wears. Yeah. Much like Penny Parker in Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I liked it too. I thought um, it, it's actually exactly what I wanted, right? Last issue, I said that I hope the next one will give us a little bit more depth into Jonah's character. And it's almost as if the writers were listening and they gave us exactly that in spades. That was the entire issue. We saw his life story play out. We watched him watch it. We saw him react to it. We saw Spider-Man call him out You know, at the point where you see Jonah getting involved in the fight, helping to create the Spider-Slayers. Peter Parker essentially gives Jonah a look and Jonah gives kind of a pleading reaction and says, I did what I thought was right. And if you think that this guy is a super-powered villain, of course you'll try and stop him. So, yeah, I enjoyed the issue. And I was going to say looking forward to seeing the mystery of this uh, dark figure play out, but I think we cracked that one open. So now I'm just waiting for Vermin Guy, as we call him, or the bandaged villain, as other people seem to call him, waiting for that person to show back up and see if he's involved in this plan and see where all of that's going. With that, I'm Gil, and I read comics. Thank you for listening, and if you enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment to leave a rating or a review in the Apple Podcasts app. That really helps us out. And be sure to check out our YouTube channel. There's a link in the show notes. We do reviews on there. We'll have the Christmas Spectacular on there. And we're doing some other cool stuff. Specifically, you'll want to check out the Batman Who Laughs video recap, where it's done in a sort of dramatized way with voices, music, sound effects. I really think you'll enjoy that. And we're planning to do a lot more of that going forward for Batman, Spider-Man, and maybe some other characters. We were talking about maybe doing some for Spider-Man Noir because we both want to learn more about him.